boy is eating. The boy is your Coffee with Gringos, Dynamic English's podcast where you can learn English simply by hearing people use it. So sit down and have a coffee with us. Hey everyone, you are listening to Coffee with Gringos. I'm Ian Kennedy. And I'm Paige Sutherland. Today we're going to be talking about something that is going on currently in the world right now. Big news, and this is in the country of Cuba. And Cuba is experiencing its biggest anti-government protests that it's had for more than three decades. This is happening due to having the worst economic crisis in the world overall with COVID, but it's really affecting the country specifically. There's a lot of frustration with food and medicine shortages, high prices, inflation, power outages, lack of vaccines, so on and so forth. And people are pretty unhappy with the leadership of the president, Miguel Diaz-Canel. So today, Paige and I thought we would touch upon what's going on and what we think is going to be happening in, in the island nation of Cuba. So for all of our listeners, as usual, check out that audio guide and transcript online at www.dynamicenglish.cl. So Paige, the last month or so, we've been reading a lot about things happening in Cuba with these historic protests going on. Of course, this is all happening during a really severe crisis that's going on that we all know about in the world right now, but it's really exacerbated by kind of just the way the government and the way of life is in Cuba and how it's been for, for many, many decades. So what have you been hearing? What have you been saying? What do you think about what's going on? Yeah, I mean, I think what's tricky about the situation in Cuba is that, you know, it has deep ties with the U.S. that, you know, many of our listeners probably know about. You know, the U.S. has had a very complicated relationship with Cuba, you know, ever since the 60s with the Cuban Missile Crisis. And since then, you know, there's been a lot of restrictions and trade embargoes with Cuba. You know, as U.S. citizens, we weren't even able to travel there. And tourism is a big part of their economy. And so... You know, they call it the Cuban thaw during the Obama administration, where they lifted a lot of those restrictions, and it created this huge influx of of U.S. citizens traveling to Cuba. And, you know, that was kind of good for everyone, where a lot of Americans want to explore the culture of Cuba, and obviously that, you know, helps their economy with tourism dollars. And then Trump got into office and kind of rolled a lot of those restrictions back. And so you can only travel to Cuba If you're a U.S. citizen for business and a humanitarian, it's like very specific, but not tourism, you know, and I think that definitely had an impact on the economy, but also the trade embargoes are back where, you know, U.S. is one of the world powers, right? So not being able to trade with the U.S. is is probably a big hindrance, but it's very complicated. And I don't know the details enough to say that's the main reason why they're in economic turmoil. And so you're hearing, you know, some world leaders saying, U.S. needs to step up and Biden isn't really saying much about it. He's really saying that he supports the people and that, you know, they they have every right to protest and things should be different, but is kind of mute on, on whether he would lift any of the restrictions. It's probably, to be honest, because he has so much going on. I mean, there's a global pandemic here in the U.S., like our economies hurt. So I'm not sure if like the Cuban crisis 
is first priority. So it's tough to say if maybe he will end up reversing those like Obama did. I don't know, because he was the vice president of Obama. So you would think he shares values. But I don't know. Yeah, it would be interesting to see because he definitely has been quiet about whether these restrictions will be lifted. Yeah, what do you think? <laughs> That's a pretty typical public relations response in that way. Kind of support without giving any actual details or like give any emphasis on what that actually means. But yeah, I think it'll be interesting to see. Like you say, he's got a lot on his plate right now. So maybe it's just not top of the priority list. But yeah, I mean, I think some changes need to be made in some sort of a way. I mean, I think the way that the we've had sort of this quote unquote mini Cold War with Cuba ever since the 60s is it's a little bit ridiculous. It's actually the U.S.-Cuba embargo is the longest embargo that has existed in history. So I think at some point we need to, to reevaluate things and step back and say, are we looking at this from a like an updated and more accurate standpoint than we did before? And maybe we'll have some good changes out of that. Hey, Ian, did you know besides the podcast, Dynamic English offers one-on-one classes with native teachers from all over the world? Really? But isn't it just a bunch of grammar lessons? Nope, it's completely discussion-based and focuses on topics the student is interested in. That's amazing. But what if I'm not living in Chile? No problem. Dynamic does online classes. You can be living anywhere. Great. But I'm a little intimidated to take the class alone. Can I join with a friend? Of course. Dynamic offers group classes of up to four. Plus, for the next month, Coffee of Gringo's listeners get 10% off individual or group classes. So go online to www.dynamicenglish.cl and mention that you are a listener and get your discount. Well, I'm sold. Sign me up. I think what's interesting, too, is, you know, we're seeing the biggest protests happening, actual protests happening for 30 years. And what's happening is a lot of people, especially young people, are taking to the streets with outrage. They're calling for changes. They're calling for for help from the government, essentially. And what's so interesting about this is over a third of the Cuban population, they were born after the fall of the Soviet Union back in the 90s. And so they don't have a memory of a time when they had economic security in the country or when you didn't have to wait in line for hours sometimes to get food or gas or basic necessities, right? And so I think the younger people who don't have this memory of of what things were like before, they're a lot less willing to have that patience that the government's asking for from the people. And they've kind of just had it. They want changes now, and they're not really buying what the government's saying, with them saying, please be patient, we're trying to make these changes. In their mind, it's kind of bullshit. So... I think we see the the demographic and the generational differences that exist as well, which just make this even more interesting. I think it's complicated, too, because I think the U.S. plays a role for sure. But to say that it's the main reason there's this kind of turmoil in the country is probably unfair to say. And so you kind of see this like political football being kicked where like, the people are calling for their president to step down because he's not handling things well. And the president's like, oh, it's the U.S.'s fault. So it's kind of like a little blame game there where, you know, I think the U.S. embargoes, all of these restrictions definitely probably has a toll on their economy. But at the end of the day, you have a leader who's not prioritizing getting vaccinations. You know, vaccine rate, I think, is 15 percent, which is so low because there isn't access. And it seems like reading a few articles that 
you know, the priorities are spending money on building hotels and foreign investment and all these kind of things where the people are taking to the streets because they're like, we need basic essentials. Like the money from our government should be on that. And it seems like, you know, during these protests that there's a lot of free right restrictions. You know, the protesters are receiving resistance. It seems like I read like the Internet is controlled by the government. So so there's some like censorship. So there are definitely some like issues that are related to Cuba that like the Cubans have issue with their government regardless of the U.S. So I think it's very complicated, but it is interesting seeing this kind of dynamic play out of pointing fingers. Yeah, exactly. Right. It's kind of like a game of pass the buck, you know, who's really at fault here. And I think, you know, I think it's like you said, it's very complicated. There's a lot of things that contribute to the state in which the country is in right now. But of course, without going down a rabbit hole on the subject of communism, the, the political and economic makeup of the country brings up a lot of criticisms and arguments as well, right? As a communist country, you would think that the government would be able to supply more of these necessities to to its citizens. Um, however, that's typically not what we see in these kind of countries. So we would need many other episodes to go through all of that. So we're not going to go there, but it's just adding fuel to the fire of the situation they're in. And again, it's it's been exacerbated because we're all living in this terrible economic crisis, world crisis. But when you add on the complexities of the embargo, the lack of necessities within the country, lack of infrastructure, you kind of just have a ticking time bomb waiting to go off in some kind of a way, whether that's the people going to the streets and protests or, you know, revolution, whatever it might be. So it's it's a very sensitive and, and hot topic. And I don't know, it'll be interesting to see what happens. I know. I think sadly, as we know from these kind of protests that, you know, protesting can create change, but generally it's pretty slow. So unfortunately, things probably won't change immediately. But hopefully, you know, if people keep taking to the streets and and getting a loud enough voice to, to reach beyond Cuba and getting some international pressure, hopefully, you know, some things will get better. But it's definitely a hard time to protest. It's just every every country is trying to weather this pandemic that, you know, has ups and downs, like we were thought we were past it. Now there's different variants and cases are going up. So I think it's a hard time to focus on anything but the pandemic for any country right now. But hopefully <laughs> things things will change soon. So while the protests have in recent weeks been dying down a little bit, we're seeing less of that kind of activity. And the question arises for us is what's going to happen next? And so experts are saying that, you know, if the government, the president, if they don't really change any of their current policies in order to, to help the people and you know supply these necessities and these changes, then I think we're going to see bigger protests, bigger actions, possibly even some sort of a form of revolution. It's a little early to say, but again, we have to wait and see because, like we said, this the, the previous protests, these were the biggest ones that we've seen for 30 years there. So... So I think time in the next few weeks are going to tell us what's going to happen because uh, of how coronavirus is going, how inflation's going. So I think we're just going to have to sit tight and see what happens. But hopefully the the people of Cuba can can get what they need and can live in better circumstances. You know, we feel bad for everybody in the world right now, but there are clearly some places that are better off than others. And it seems like Cuba is one of the places that's really suffering. So um, hopefully, hopefully they can get what they need and and uh, life can improve for them. Agreed, yeah, and hopefully we can 
you know, eventually lift some of these restrictions and me and Ian can visit Cuba because it looks like a beautiful country. I would love that opportunity. I would love to visit Cuba. It's at the, it's at the top of my list. Um, so hopefully that can, be, that can be a reality for us sooner than later. So listeners, as we mentioned all these details here, it's a very sensitive and ongoing situation. So everybody pay attention to what's going on and we'll just see what happens in the next coming weeks and hopefully those changes happen like we said. So like we mentioned before, Go online and check out that audio guide and transcript at www.dynamicenglish.cl. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next time. Coffee with Gringos officially has over 100 episodes, and we are among the top podcasts in Chile. And that's thanks to you. But we're always working to grow our audience, so make sure to rate, review, and share us.